0: Are either one of these any good? Wow,
1: this is a good movie! It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks! You sorry? You waste all our film! It's so bad! One week before the Oscars, and we have a handful of new movies to talk about. Welcome! Glad you're here. This is the Screening Room. Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com, and we're going to start with a big one that a lot of people have been looking forward to. It's a deactivated female cyborg getting revived, and then who cannot remember anything of her past life, going on a quest to find out who she is. She's Alita Battle Angel. When I found you, your very human brain was miraculously intact. She's the last of her kind.
0: She contains technology that have been lost for 300 years. You know more about me than you're saying.
1: Alita, some things are better left forgotten.
0: Well, then I'll find out
1: for myself. She's threatening the natural order of things. I need you to destroy her. Alita, they will come for you.
0: I'll have to face them head on.
1: Now, this one, just getting it to the screen, it's it's a bit of a long and involved story, right? It started with James Cameron years ago. He had the rights to this. He was going to make it. And then and and he got the attention, the story got the attention of Robert Rodriguez, who was very, I guess in interviews I've seen, very interested in it, really couldn't wait to see it. And then James Cameron got uh, sidetracked by all how many Avatar sequels he's going to do and just gave it to Rodriguez and said, you want to make this? Go ahead. And so he's the director here.
0: And it's interesting... It's an interesting idea because, of course, it's very much a James Cameron Cameron type film uh, in that sort of glossy, you know, visionary, uh, high tech sort of an idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's it's not your traditional Robert Rodriguez film. It's not gritty and quirky, although he did do Sin City. And so you you realize that he certainly can direct a film that is is very much based on uh, sort of visual, amazing magic. Right. True.
1: True. But you're right. This one doesn't have that grit about it. No. It feels more like a James Cameron Definitely. type thing, but it is, I'll tell you what, it's amazing to look at. It just, it gives you another reminder of how quickly these technological advancements are coming. Yeah. You know, remember just how many years ago it was an Avatar and people were like, ooh, wow, wow, and now it's just getting more and more developed. They can do these motion capture performances and put this stuff on the screen. And it's just amazing. You've got the main character is played by Rosa Salazar, who's from uh, the Maze Runner movies. And then we just saw her in Bird Box. Mm-hmm. And it's a motion capture performance. But it's even, you know, it's up there close, I think. Not quite Planet of the Apes right, right, worthy. Right, right. But what they can do now is amazing.
0: She is surrounded by uh, an incredible supporting cast. Incredible in that three of them are Oscar winners. Yes. Right. Mahershala Ali, Jennifer Connelly and Christoph Waltz are Mm -hmm. among the primary supporting actors in the film. And and so even when the, the dialogue gets a little heavy handed or tired, I mean, the three of them. Clearly have the talent oh, yeah. to to elevate everything that they do.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's uh, there's a, been a lot. I think there's been over twenty volumes of these the source material, the manga, the Japanese graphic novels. Yeah. I think there's over twenty volumes, wow. and, and from what I've read, this movie is a combination of four of them that take into account the bounty hunter aspect mm-hmm. of Elita's character mm-hmm. because once Just she, barely, yeah, once she gets brought back. To life reassembled she becomes a, a bounty hunter and then you've got this other um, side plot about her taking part in the the sport of the future right motorball right which is kind of like roller derby and uh, what was the old one with uh, uh roller ball from that old James Caan movie that was re- remade <laughs> and a even more deadly so th- those two kind of storylines are combined and then you've got another bit of uh, you know Y A. Teen rebellion, kind of special hero, Hunger Games thing going on. Right, right. And it, it's interesting because the character Alita is assembled from some spare parts, right. and you kind of get the feeling that so is the the plot here. Right, it, it'll remind you of a lot of other movies. It will.
0: Well, but you know, I don't want that to sound too damning, right? Right. Because right. I mean, the truth is, at the end of the day, it is an entertaining film. It is, and, and it's quite visually compelling, and you'll you'll be you'll enjoy it. And there's action. There is. There's a lot of action. There is, and I think that it pushes the envelope a little bit in terms of content, in the same way that it pushes it a little bit in terms of the visual aspects as well. I just don't think that it's it's not going to be one that you are, are chomping at the bit to see a sequel to. Right. You know, you're going to enjoy oh, yeah. it, I think. Um, and you're going to be in certain certain ways kind of amazed by it. But I just don't think you're going to be like, I can't wait to see what Alita
1: does next. Right. Well, it's clearly the hopeful beginning of a franchise. Yes. Clearly. Especially with, I'm not going to spoil anything, especially with the actor you find out at the end of the film plays the, the, the Lord High Charlie. Right, right, right. For, <laughs> for <laughs> lack of a, look it up, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, the you know the the evil overseer yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so clearly they want to start a franchise and they may and you know what some of the movies look at the Hunger Games you know i think this it was the second installment for the Hunger Games that really yeah. was the the most impressive one so uh, we could see that i mean yeah. you're right i don't want to give it too much of damning criticism uh, it is incredible to look at i would recommend the biggest screen they do have an IMAX version they do um so um and the check, other thing check that think, out if you can
0: the other thing that i think that this has going for it often the origin story in a, in a franchise is really bogged down with exposition. And I true. feel like
1: they did a nice job of just clipping through it. Yep. No, that is true. Uh, just there, there are moments that are a little, little heavy handed, a mm-hmm. little, a little too, you know, young adult melodrama, but, but not, yeah, not too much to push no, it over the no. edge to get a complete eye roll. Yeah, uh, just here and there as the as the story, the actual narrative, is kind of put together from these from these different aspects, which probably comes about because you've combined these four sure. novels. Now, yeah. We didn't read the, the the graphic novels, but I'm guessing it's it's kind of hard to combine those sometimes. So we will see in the future where it goes. But yeah, if, I don't think it's a it's a great movie, especially it's not great storytelling. But the visuals are really amazing, and, and, and it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. Like I said, there's lots of action. And so really the visuals alone are worth checking out. Mm -hmm. But the story, there's enough of a story there to to make it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what they do in the future. And that is Alita, Battle Angel. Also got a sequel this week uh, to a movie, a surprise hit from a couple of years ago. Tree Gelbman discovers that dying over and over was surprisingly easier than the dangers that lie ahead. This is Happy Death Day 2, you. Everything's different this time. Now, the killer is coming after all of us. That means I'm gonna have to die over. Bye! And over again. To save all of you? Damn, this is crazy, man. If I die again, I could stay dead. Failure's not an option. All right, let's see what you got. Well, if the original was a, was a surprise, this one is even more of a surprise, <laughs> especially for people that liked the first one and are expecting more of the same because you're not going to find it.
0: Sort of, right? So the original actually was, I, I, di- I didn't have high expectations for it because it was basically, you know, Groundhog's Day meets Scream. But it was really enjoyable. It was fresh and fun. It wasn't groundbreaking and it wasn't genius, but it was a fun time. Uh, mainly because Jessica Roth, the lead, did such a good job. Mm-hmm. And she's back, and so is Christopher Lambert, the yep. writer-director from the original. Christopher,
1: uh, Christopher Landon.
0: Landon, pardon me. Yeah, The writer-director of the original. And uh, the problem is, A, you kind of need to have seen the first one to even understand what's happening well, in the that's, second that's one. that's true.
1: They try but, to kind of bring you up to speed, but uh, I think you're right there. You You might be lost in a few places.
0: Yeah, but then B, you need to not love the first one because... <laughs> Uh, or horror, because this, this is a thing. This is by no means, by any stretch, a horror film.
1: It's not. It's it's more of a comedy and a zany '80s teen comedy right. at that. Right. I mean, it's really interesting, especially when you've got the same filmmaker on board. Right. The tone, the, the 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 route that he decided to go with this, because when she finds herself back in the same predicament, right? You know, Time re, loop. Yeah, Ugh. reliving her her death. There's a time loop, and there's an invention on campus with a bunch of science nerds, and then there's a parallel universe, and there's a woman who is pretending to be A, blind, and B, French to try to steal the keys from somebody, and what? Yeah. Where's Chachi? Madcap funny, exactly. Yeah. Well, if it was madcap funny, even that, but it's not. Nah, no, it it's isn't. Silly. Yeah. and then you're looking for a little bit of horror comedy, but even that, I mean... There's no blood. There's no scares really at all. Everything is very clearly telegraphed.
0: Well, and so in the original, she is trying to figure out how to how to avoid her own murder, right? which means that she gets murdered a bunch. Right. So there are scary moments. And then you're working against the clock to save your own life in this one. Let me just get nerdy on you for a second. Very much like the He-Man Masters of the Universe franchise. <laughs> she can't decide if she wants to stay in this universe where her mom is or go back to the parallel universe where she belongs, where her mom isn't. And her, but her boyfriend, boyfriend is. is. So even in that, like the like the long term goal, the sort of moral decision she has to make. It's not. It's a rom-com.
1: No, no. The, the, the film is a rom-com. Right. And, and also you don't have. Her getting murdered over and over again. You have her killing herself over and over again, so she can just get to it. Yeah. All right, let's get to the next time. And a lot of those ways that she kills herself are kind of funny and wink, wink, and cute. And and they do they do infuse the film with a sort of morbid sense of humor that helps to give it a little bit of a bite, I suppose. Uh, maybe, but mainly to me, it just seemed like zany and you know trying to throw back uh, to the to the eighties. Teen comedies at the same time trying to keep some sort of a scream vibe which it really doesn't have. No. Uh, it just is a really curious route that the filmmaker took this time. It would have been more likely to me that this would have been done by a completely different filmmaker right. who just decided Agreed. to go a completely different way. But it's not and it's it's pretty curious and uh, I think we both thought it fell flat. Agreed. Next up it's a young woman disenchanted with love, mysteriously finding herself trapped inside a romantic comedy. Isn't it romantic? You're in the emergency room.
0: This isn't an emergency room. This is a Williams Sonoma. Make my way downtown. It looks like somebody's put a beauty filter across New York City. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Someone's broken into my apartment (laughs) and they've taken everything and replaced it all with much nicer stuff. So your emergency is that your apartment is too big and you have every shoe you could ever want. Yeah, exactly. That's what I. Bye. I think I might be going crazy. I hit my head really hard and I woke up in this alternate universe. And now I have a gay sidekick who's setting gay rides back like a hundred
1: years. I love working the legs.
0: Jesus! And guys looking me in the
1: eyes. You're quite beguiling, aren't you?
0: Are you feeling what I'm feeling? No! Oh my God. <laughs> I think I'm trapped in a My wife's become a mother romantic comedy. And it's pg Hey, Booch, what's the update? I have to get a man to fall in love
1: with me. Boom, 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 yeah. I'm Josh. That is such a beautiful name. Wanna dance? Wanna dance wanna dance?
0: This is a movie that, simul- I suppose, good-naturedly pokes fun at romantic comedy tropes in a way that just says you know what this is
1: this is my favorite guilty pleasure oh yes exactly right it's it's pleading guilty to the guilty pleasure and and going with it because you've got the main character Natalie played by rebel Wilson and she's a low-level architect in a New York City firm and she she really kinda of chastises her coworker for loving romantic comedies and watching them on company time uh, <laughs> but by telling her and telling us Here's, all, here's the romantic comedy playbook. Boom, 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 boom. And, and she's right, of course, about all of it. But then that's right before she gets a conk on the head fighting with a mugger over her purse. And then she wakes up and she's living in a romantic comedy. And how do we know that right off the bat? Because she wakes up in an ER in full makeup The ER is lavish. The handsome and sexy doctors are available at a beck and call at a moment's notice and have nothing else to do. (laughs) You know, and everything is so idealized. And that's part of the the things, it's one of the things that the movie gets right. I mean, it's not consistently hilarious, but it is pretty much always charming in the way that it says, yep, that's right. All these things about romantic comedies you make fun of, darn right. And we're just going to love them anyway. And the writing team has a lot of experience um, with that genre. You can look back at their resume, you'll find movies like uh, The Wedding Date and How, to be, <laughs> and How to be Single Bleh. and some others. Uh, so it just takes it and runs with it, and while she's in the romantic comedy, she is suddenly pursued by the handsome and rich Liam Hemsworth. Hemsworth the Lesser. Sorry, it's not Chris Hemsworth, I but Liam, too. Liam Hemsworth, <laughs> who's actually, in this movie, He's more charming and versatile than I've ever seen him. He gets a chance to stretch a little bit. Right.
0: This is why I'm wondering if he's going to be the next Channing Tatum. None of, none of us had any idea that Channing Tatum had any talent at
1: all until he made his first comedy. And then mm. we're like,
0: look at that. And so- it was it
1: was actually that bad comedy oh, with it was. Vince Vaughn. It was, um, I forget what it was. And he and Ren- Winona Ryder were two of the only good things about that movie they were funny yeah and you're like oh yeah he's pretty good he's yeah. gone on so we'll see i don't know maybe we'll see but anyway uh so rebel wilson's character takes up with him while her buddy from work that she has put in the friend zone adam divine hooks up with priyanka chopra hello <laughs> so yeah that's you know that's happening and uh, and uh they are you know the you know how it's going to end of course you do and they know that you know how it's going to end and then in between A and B, you get some musical numbers because why not? It's right. a romantic comedy, and it just has a good vibe about it. It's it has no bite whatsoever. You know, if you want a, a, a biting comedy, uh, look at romantic comedies. Then look up the um, Don John, Don John from Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. That, God, that's a great movie. It's a good movie, and it, it totally you know it takes a totally different track toward criticizing romantic comedies. This is all about hey, you know, just like the people that. Make fun of those hallmark Christmas specials, but they're the first to DVR them. It's the same way here We know everybody knows what's gonna happen and what's the little side plots that are gonna pop up because do you think there's a gay Sidekick of course there is and it's a rebel Wilson's neighbor, and he is fantastic He's one of the good supporting uh, performances his name is Brandon Scott Jones and uh, he plays the gay sidekick, great. In fact, all that—that's the, really the funny, funny thing about this movie is that Rebel Wilson, she's the one who's usually used to stealing scenes right, right. as a supporting character. Now it's kind of the reverse. She's put in the lead, and if memory serves, this is the first lead for her. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. She seems a little bit uncomfortable with it. You know, a little bit wondering just. What tone to take as she is the lead? and in, in 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 this case, she's a little bit shown up by the supporting characters and the supporting actors who all, I think, make more of an impression than she does. I don't think she's quite sure how to take it. But it certainly doesn't wreck the movie. There's still a it's a fine date movie, you know, coming out in Valentine Week. It's not going to be something you remember forever, not going to be something that's consistently hilarious. but, it's funny enough. They've got a nice running gag about how they have to keep it PG-13. <laughs> and there's some nice things going on in the background. The director is the guy who directed a movie called uh, The Final Girls. Final Girls, which was very clever and yeah. fun. Uh, Todd Strauss-Schulson is his name. And he, you know, he keeps the pace lively, quick, and there's a lot of nice subtleties going on in the background that just make it all the more idealized in a romantic comedy. Like, suddenly the streets of New York aren't filthy, and there's a cute little cupcake store on every corner.
0: Do you know what's funny about that, though, is that The Final Girls is a movie that simultaneously pokes fun at the tropes of the slasher Mm -hmm. while embracing the slasher. It's a very, very similar concept. It's like, yeah, we know it's going to happen. We know A, B, C, D, E, but we love it anyway.
1: Exactly right. So, again, this has a lot of charm to it. Not something you're going to remember for a while, but especially, especially if you already like romantic comedies, I think you're really going to like Isn't It Romantic? couple other movies opening in limited release. The first one is two men preparing to compete in a legendary bare knuckle fight where the winner gets a $100,000 prize. It's called Donnie Brook. world's changed. Criminals running everything. Got no money. Just death. Comes back to a man who's got to know how to fight. It's how you fight is all that counts at the Brook. Hot still? 100000 Yes, sir. If I win, then it's more money we ever dreamed of and we're free. Now, a first, couple of guys
0: got to fight their way out of Ohio, George. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first off, the first thing this reminded me of was Warrior a few years ago. Gotcha. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, With yeah. Uh, Joel Edgerton mm-hmm. and, uh, and Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte who and got Nick nominated Nolte. for That's a, right. an Oscar. Uh, but yeah, they're in Ohio and they've tried to fight their way out, I guess, through the prize yeah. money in this bare-knuckle brawl.
0: Right, these sort of underground fights. Uh, and and the the truth is, though, it's more of a road picture than it is an actual sort of, uh, you know, uh, fight movie. Right, right. And I think that that could throw some people. Uh, it's got a little bit of a of a fight club vibe about it in the way that it's using these fights to kind of deconstruct masculinity and sort of society's image of masculinity. Um,
1: uh, and it's got a couple of really good performances. Well, it's it's got an undercurrent of trying to represent, you know, the struggles of this class of people. Right. But it, it, gets, it's, it gets kind of waylaid on the way to that um, in trying to be not only a, a road picture, like you say, but also centered around this bare knuckle fighting. So it's got different elements that work, but it's got... It, the sum of its parts aren't maybe as, as great as they could be. Sure. Uh, if you want to check out the full uh, written review, it was done by one of uh, the writers at MadWolf.com, Matt Weiner, And you can check that up, That's Check that out. It's up right now on the website. But yeah, I think, and especially I think he thought that it certainly had some things going for it, but couldn't quite get them all together for a real compelling narrative. Also getting a bit more wider release uh, this week is an Oscar-nominated foreign film. While serving a five-year sentence for a violent crime, a 12-year-old boy sues his parents for neglect. It's called Capernaum.
0: Filmmaker Nadine Lebecki is coming under fire a little bit. I think that that on the whole, people sort of are are they straddle the line as to whether or not this fits into the idea of miserabilism right where a filmmaker kind of wallows in the unrelenting misery of of a certain population of characters in a in a sort of condescending oh, how sad for you sort of right. a way. Now, right. I think for it's she's got a very naturalistic approach to this film. And 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 it looks at a population of people that, you know, we're not going to see much, which is which would be the lowest possible socioeconomic uh, circle in Beirut. Right. Uh, very much disposable population, sort of a disposable population of parents who have children that they could dispose of at, at will. And uh, and it opens with this court- courtroom scene
1: that is a gut punch and then sets you up for the rest of the film. Where a boy pretty much, after getting involved in a violent crime, he's basically suing his parents for having him and bringing him into this horrible world right. and this existence that he has to go through every day. And it's one that, like you said, it's a gut punch. It's it's a movie that is going to move you in one way or another. It's depending on, like you said, about this miserableism. Um, we didn't think it was that condescending. No, but agreed. I, I can see, I, I've read some reviews that people who do, and I, I can see if you come down on that line... Um, you're going to hate it. Yeah, I don't think we did come it's down. on It's punishing, that line. no it matter
0: how where you come on. That exactly. is a punishing film. It's the performances are are astonishing, especially given the age of the lead actor.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you know, great movies can be punishing. There's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as you go into it with eyes wide open, knowing it's not going to be a movie you're going to want to sit through twice. <laughs> uh, it is Oscar nominated for best foreign film this year, and uh, and one that is worth seeing again if you know what you're in for, and that's Capernaum. Got a few coming out on home video this week, so let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Out this week is one that we just talked about uh, last couple of weeks. Also nominated for Best Foreign Film this yep. year, Shoplifters. I think it has a a shot to win probably won't win. No, We're- I
0: think Roma will take it. There's a
1: strong group of foreign it films is. this year. Really strong group of foreign films. But this is about a, a group of small-town grifters in Japan, small-town con-, con artists that, in the family unit, they may or may not be blood-related. Right. And in the end, that's what this movie is about. What makes a family? And uh, it's very touching and very moving in its smaller moments. I think toward the end of the movie, it does take some turns that are a little bit too heavy-handed, but in no way uh, sink the movie at all. It's still very moving and very well put. And charming. And very charming and and put together. So Shoplifters definitely is worth a watch. Also out this week uh, on home video, one that you liked a lot called The Happy Prince. Yeah, I did, and I was
0: surprised that I did. Rupert Everett... Uh, wrote, directed, and stars in a film about Oscar Wilde, and uh, it's it's really well made. He's wonderful. The supporting cast is actually absolutely chock full of some of your favorite actors, all of whom get the opportunity to just be. I mean, it's Oscar Wilde, so you know that the, obviously the you know the writing is going to be spectacular. The turns of phrase are going to be outstanding. It's moving. It's touching. It's not without its flaws, but particularly if you're interested in that
1: writer, I think it's well worth seeking out. Also coming out this week, Hugh Jackman starring as Gary Hart in The Front Runner. Boy, this movie just disappeared. It did. It barely came out and then it just disappeared. But there's a lot to like about it, starting with the performances. Not only Hugh Jackman, but it's got a great ensemble cast. Vera Farmiga, yep. uh, J.K. Simmons goes on and on. It's great cast and it's it's well-directed in a lot of spots and well-written as the Blocking and the dialogue just goes around the room, rapid fire, boom, 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 almost Aaron Sorkin esque, right, but not as lofty, right. You know, um, and it it's basically set up to view the Gary Hart scandal of the late '80s as the watershed moment that turned politics into what it is today. And I think, uh, in a lot of ways, it's very effective. It's not great; has a couple of moments here and there, but uh, one that's worth seeking out. Uh, especially if you're a, a political junkie and maybe a, a news news junkie, and and how we got from quote unquote real journalism to the tabloid fodder that we have today. I want to check out the front runner. Also, Bohem- Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm sure you've heard of that one. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> nominated for a best film, and you know, and best actor, and and, and, and we actor. think probably the front runner for best actor. I think he may be. Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury may be the front runner. Um, we don't think Bohemian Rhapsody d- should have been nominated for Best Film. No. I mean, it's enjoyable, especially if you like Queen, because mm-hmm. it's the, the music, full of the music. But yeah. as, as a story, it's it just doesn't hold up. It's certainly not in, in, enlightening no. in any way. It's not... Safe. It's very it's safe. It's very safe. It's very, very, very safe. safe.
0: Although, as you've said many times, that live-aid sequence is definitely reason enough to watch it. It sure especially, is. Especially,
1: you should have a really big TV. Exactly right. Exactly right. If you have a big screen and you just que- queue up that uh, live-aid section, that makes it worthwhile. But... For an overall biopic of of a legendary rock icon, I think it it, it falls short uh, in its really any chance of insightfulness because of how safe it plays. I think you're exactly right there. And a documentary about Maria Callas called Maria by Callas is out on video this week. So if you're a fan of Maria Callas, this is one to seek out.
0: Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't dive deep at all. It gives you a sense of sort of her personal persona versus her public persona, mm-hmm. but it doesn't dig really deep. So, if you're a huge fan, you might feel a little bit let down by the fact that it doesn't offer a, an awful lot of new information for you, but it's a competently made and it's interesting because it's not it's not a topic often
1: covered in film, right, Maria Callas? Exactly. And next week looking forward to the latest, the third of the How to Train Your Dragon series, The Hidden World. Loved that first How to Train oh. Your Dragon so much i know that you did so looking forward to this also fighting with my family the rock uh coming out and one that we're looking forward to is a survival tale i always love those you do so this one starring mads milkinson called arctic is out next week as well so we'll see what shapes up there and then of course the oscars are coming up very soon that's too that's correct so to see how uh, what happens for uh, for that night so uh let us know what you thought about these movies or any of the movies we always love to talk movies it's easy to do that by finding us on twitter M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And by the way, if you're listening to the Screening Room Podcast, first of all, we thank you. Please uh, rate and review. Wherever you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts or wherever, we'd love to have your thoughts. Uh, keep in touch if you can. You can find us not only on Twitter, but we're Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram, and the main website where you can catch all of our written reviews and our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. You can find that on our main website, madwolf.com, M A D D W O L F. So until next week, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.